Well, listen, on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to preach a little different message. While I'm going to be preaching about the resurrection, I want to talk about the resurrection of Lazarus and how that relates to the resurrection of Jesus. How many of you know one of the great miracles that took place, Jesus' last great public miracle? And I was praying about, Lord, what would you have me speak on this day? And listen, how many of you know resurrection never gets old? It's just marvelous. But the Lord said, I want you to talk about Lazarus and how that relates and see how that does with Jesus. And so if you take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 17 through 44. What Jesus did for Lazarus, Jesus has done for us. How many of you know that you've been risen from the dead? Passed from death into life. So when Jesus came, he found Lazarus. He had already been dead in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now I want you to see something there. People have been believing long before Jesus was there that there was going to be a resurrection. How many of you are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus when we are raised to be with him? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went away, followed her, saying, she... Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how much he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, <coughs> you would see the glory of God? 
Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people were, who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Spirit of God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for your word. Now, Lord, apply it specifically to each of us. May we decrease and may you increase. And everybody said a good amen. amen. The pinnacle of Christian celebration is not the birth of Jesus. I love Christmas time. How many of you enjoy it? It's not even the crucifixion of Jesus. The pinnacle of the Christian celebration is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The crucifixion and the resurrection are inseparable. Without each other, our salvation would be incomplete. Every year, we take an aspect of the death and resurrection of Jesus and honor what Christ has done. But today I want to focus on the resurrection power of Jesus while at the same time looking at the life of Lazarus. It's important to understand that Jesus has always had the power over life and death, over hell and the grave, and they have never, ever had power over Jesus whatsoever. Jesus demonstrated his power over death while he was alive in Lazarus' life so that people like us would understand that when he rose from the dead, that he always had the power over death. This miracle of raising Lazarus took place about two weeks before Jesus' death and resurrection. It was the last of his public ministries. Last week, we looked at the first of his public ministries, the turning of water into wine. This was the last of his public ministries and miracles. The rest of his time during those two weeks was spent with his disciples in private until his public crucifixion. If you're taking notes, I want you to understand this. The resurrection of Lazarus helps us to know that no matter how long you've been dead, with Jesus, dead is never dead. I want to tell you there are some people today that think that there are people you know that will never come to Christ. There are people that are too far gone. They've been in sin far too long. They're stuck in their ways. But I want to remind you today that with Jesus, dead is never dead. Resurrection reminds us that Jesus will always have the last word, physically and spiritually. In John eleven seventeen, it says, So when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Jesus had been told Lazarus' sickness and death days before. But he waited until in the Jewish tradition, a dead body would have been ceremonially unclean. The human body begins to decay 
after four days. So Lazarus had reached the threshold of being officially dead. There was no way that anyone was going to say that Lazarus was just mostly dead or that he was still partially alive. Lazarus was completely dead. And Jesus was demonstrating that he had the power over death. It's important to understand that without Jesus, all of us are completely dead. Without having been forgiven of our sins spiritually, we are lost without Jesus. Turn to someone and say, without him, you were dead. Go ahead, let them know. You weren't just kind of dead. You weren't just mostly dead. You weren't only somewhat alive. We were all the way dead. It's important to understand that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We were dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sin. All the way dead. I think we've lost sight of that sometimes as we're sharing the gospel with people. It's important that we understand that this is the living word of God. It is the living word of God that helps to breathe life into people that are all the way dead. How many of you know that you used to be all the way dead, but now because of Christ, you live? It's important to understand because Jesus came to free mankind not only from physical death, but most importantly from spiritual death. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 in the Amplified, it says, And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgression and sins in in which you once walked. You were following the ways of this world, Influenced by this present age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan. The spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by the sinful self indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were, by nature, children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. Apart from the grace and mercy of Jesus, all of us are spiritually dead in our sins. Not partially dead, completely dead. And without Jesus, there was no hope at all for any of us. But in God's great love and mercy, the Bible says even while we were still sinners, under a death sentence, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8 through 9 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
The story of Lazarus also helps us to understand that resurrection is not some event that we're waiting for. Resurrection is Jesus himself. In John chapter 11, verses 21 through 27, it says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And I love, he asked her this, do you believe this? Would you ask someone next to you, do you believe this? Go ahead. Listen, resurrection is all about what we believe. It's taking God at his word. Death is something that is concerning to all of us. All of us in the natural are going to face it one day. There is something inside all of us until we know Jesus that makes us uncomfortable with death. First of all, this ends. This life ends. I don't want it to end. And secondly, we know that we will face God about how we live our life. Hebrews 9, 27 through 28 says, And just as is appointed and destined for all men to die once, and after this comes certain judgment, so Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, will appear a second time when he returns to earth, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly and confidently waiting for him. How many of you are just waiting for him today? You see, the prospect of death comes, causes us to really think about what we believe about life and death. I love The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, I love this time of year because it's very easy to go through all of our life not really thinking about the end of our life. But that's what Jesus has come to prepare us for. You see, with Jesus, life has a beginning, but with him it has no ending. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Martha was like most people today. They're looking for life to end, and at some point, there's an afterlife of some sort, in some fashion, and some form. But Jesus made a bold statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, though you die, yet shall you live. How many of you understand one day we're going to leave this body behind, but that doesn't matter. We're not restrained by what this world has to offer. If we know Jesus as our Savior, we continue to live. He said that those who come to him already have eternal life. If you know Jesus this morning, turn to someone and tell them, I'm going to live forever. Go ahead. Let them know. You see, when you know Jesus, you you really have a different perspective. You're living with eternity in mind. You know that there really isn't going to be an end. Even if your life ends here, it really is just the beginning of all of eternity. I think that's a marvelous thing. Life begins 
and never ends with Jesus. But for those without Jesus, when we die, life ends. But the gift that God gives us through Jesus is everlasting, eternal life. John 10, 27 and 28 says, My sheep listens to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Romans 6.23, and there was that phone. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Greg, you've got to quit prophesying at the beginning of church on the phone. <laughs> How many of you know Greg is a prophet in our midst? Amen. <laughs> that was great. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 5.24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. I want to say it again. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. If we believe in him, we are saved from our sins, and we are saved from death and the judgment of God. He who believes in God will never die. The longer I live, the more I love that. Like, I'm looking at all you today. I love you. I look forward to spending eternity with you. Isn't that pretty cool? Look around this room. We get to spend forever together. That's awesome. Now, some of you are going, I'm not sure about that one that I want to spend forever with. That's okay. How many of you know heaven is a big place? Lord of God. But we get to spend eternity together. As Martha was dealing with Lazarus' Lazarus' death, Jesus had to reframe the conversation. You see, he made Lazarus' death all about himself and what she believed. It's interesting that when we deal with death, we make it all about us. Jesus made it all about him and about what we believe. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I want to ask you this morning, what do you believe about Jesus? Martha declared, you're the Lord. You're the Christ. You are the Son of God. And I want to ask you, what do you and who do you say he is? All of us must answer that question. I love that at least once a year we get to revisit that question. What do we believe? If you're taking notes, I want you to mark this down. Lazarus' death and resurrection Help us to understand how much that God loves us and that our struggle in this world has a profound effect 
on Jesus. You see, love is an action. It is. But it also involves emotion. And one of the greatest lies of the devil is that Jesus really doesn't care. That God is aloof and above all of this and that he's unconcerned about the battles of this sinful world and how they affect us. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. There are two times in this story that we see Jesus move to tears. John eleven thirty three and 35 says, Therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That's a deep groaning in the spirit. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how much he loved him. The, you know, the New Living Translation says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and the people wailing, he was filled with anger and anguish. And we have a word for that. It's called grief. The shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven twenty five, 25, and it's also one of the most powerful. Jesus wept. When we were in ministry school, we had to memorize 850 verses for the year. One of the things that they looked at us, and I went to something different than Bible college, and I love that. What they wanted was the word to get in us. Most Bible colleges spend the, the, their time getting book knowledge into you. Those who were training us said, you need the word in you. And over the course of it, memorying 850 verses, we discovered John eleven twenty five. 25. <laughs> Jesus wept. How many of you know every one of us going, that's one. And our leader, Lloyd Ziegler, came in and he said, and he would have this talk with every new class. He said, I know many of you have discovered this short verse. And he said, don't use it because it's easy to memorize. He said, I want you to understand the power of the fact that Jesus wept. And it moved him because he hated what sin and death were doing to people. And he loved people so much that people could see how much he loved them. They even declared, see how much he loved him. I'll never forget that morning. We had just come in ready. It was a Thursday. It's when we took our test for the memory verses that we did that week. And that was usually about 20 verses. The test was delayed. After that talk, every one of us were on our face weeping before the Lord. In awe of the deep love that Jesus had for us. And you would watch kids go around the room when we finally took the test and we came to Jesus wept and you'd watch them write it. <laughs> 
with tears. Because we'd have to recite the verses back after we wrote them. We'd have to say them. The Bible says that we're to keep his word in our heart. And that's why it's important to not only memorize it and know it, but to say it. Kids were just weeping. I got to tell you, there is a life transforming thing when you realize how much God loves you. And then it's life transforming when you realize how much he loves people. It changes how you interact. My prayer this resurrection day is that God would renew in us a love for people like he has for them. I pray that we'll be moved with that kind of love so that we would want to impart resurrection power to others. I want to remind you that the goal is not to lead people to heaven, but to lead people to Jesus. Because resurrection and the promise of heaven is all because of Jesus. If you're taking notes, mark this down. One of the things we learn is that before Jesus raises the dead, before Jesus does any miracle, that we play a part and there will be a hesitancy. You ever allowed God to work through your life and when you first stepped out to do the miracle, you were like, I don't know about that, God. We have a way of mostly looking at things in the natural. But if we are going to see the glory of God, we must believe that we will see the glory of God. John eleven thirty nine 39 through 40, Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Many times we believe that things have to be the way that things always have been. Lazarus was dead. That's just the way it is. And if you take away the stone, things are just going to get uglier. He's been dead for four days, and he's going to stink. Listen, there is nothing like the stench of death. If you've ever smelled it, it is a smell you will always remember. And Jesus had to remind them that if they would believe, they would see the glory of God. Some of us are walking around in the world today and we're amazed at how life stinks. I want you to remember that that's the smell of death. The sin that we see in the world, the things that are going on, that's the smell of death. And I want you to understand that with Jesus, you can get, away, you can get rid of the stench of death. One person at a time, one individual at a time, one salvation at a time, we begin to see them raised from the dead. Today, many Christians are crying out to see the glory of God. But when God gets ready to do something, they don't really believe it can happen. Listen, if you are a Christian, then you already know that God can raise the dead because he already raised you and me from the dead. How many of you remember that you used to be dead? Not just somewhat dead, but all the way dead. It's interesting, once you've been alive after you've been dead, you forget what death was like because it's really good to be living. 
But it's important that we understand that there are a lot of people that need race to life. If we already know God and what God has done for us, we need to work past our hesitation about what things are going to be like on the other side of the stone. Our job is to remove what is in the way of preventing others from hearing the voice of Jesus. God told them, remove the stone, and it was the job of Jesus to raise the dead. Listen, I want you to understand that that stone is the hardness of heart. That is the, the things that are in the way of people hearing the voice of Jesus. Our job is to share the life of God with them and to move the stone out of the way. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to tell them to come out of the grave. Listen, God only told you to move the stone. He only told you to share the gospel. He never called you to call them out of death unto life. He said he would do that by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're taking notes, mark this down. The disciples already knew that the wind and waves obeyed Jesus. Now they were about to find out that death must obey Jesus. In John eleven forty. 3 to 44, it says, Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Now I want you to get this. Jesus called Lazarus from death to life. That same call is going out today. And many of us have already answered that call, but there are many more. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you have already answered the call of Jesus out of darkness into light? We've already been called from darkness into light and from death to life. But life belongs to Jesus. And while death took Lazarus, Jesus was able to give him life. And he did and he does the same for us. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, it is important to understand that nobody took his life on the cross. Jesus willingly gave it. In John 10, 17 through 18, it says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus willingly laid down his life And so must we. Death never had the last word because it never even had a word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus always had the power of life. It never left him, even in death. To have resurrection life, we must willingly lay our life for the life that there is in Jesus. Matthew 16, 25 says, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it, that is, 
life with me for all eternity. Because Jesus understood the power of the resurrection, he willingly gave his life so that we could live. He tasted death so that we could have life. You and I will need to lay our life down. I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this. When Lazarus came out of the grave, he needed a little help from those that were around him. Remember that song, we all need a little help from our friends? How many of you needed some help in your walk with Jesus? In John eleven forty four, it says, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, to them, Loose him and let him go. Jesus brought Lazarus to life, but it was the job of the disciples to help him get unwrapped. That's what discipleship looks like. You can be alive and still wrapped up in things. Remember when you got saved? Remember when you gave your life to Jesus, there were still things of the world that were clinging on to you? There were still some of the old grave clothes that were a part of your life. They needed to come off you. Listen, Jesus brought them to life, but Lazarus still needed to be unwrapped. Lazarus didn't wrap himself in grave clothes, so it was unrealistic to expect him to get out of it. Many people who come to Jesus will struggle to get out of the old dead things that tie them up. Literally, they need to be loosed and they need to be set free. I want to remind us, church, that we are called to help those that Jesus raised up to get things unwrapped and sorted out. Can I tell you one of the greatest tragedies in the world is when we lead someone to life, but then we leave them all wrapped up in stuff, and we're just like, listen, figure it out yourself. Listen, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't call you all to figure it out? He told us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that they were commanded Oh, I'm excited with what God has planned to do in the coming years. I believe we are going to see one of the greatest harvests of souls into the kingdom of God that we've ever seen. But I believe this will need to be the church's greatest moment. Jesus didn't call you to disciple everybody. But he did call you to disciple the people that you bring to Jesus. Turn to someone and say, discipleship's your job. Can you imagine the disciples? Now listen, if this is something new to you, if you're, not, if you're new to making disciples, please understand, you'll be a little hesitant about walking up to a dead body that just walked out of a grave, and now you're going to take off the grave clothes. You're kind of like... I love that now. It's just grave clothes. It's just stuff people are wrapped up in. Help them get unwrapped. Why are we so scared of that? Why are we afraid of dealing with the stuff? Listen, Jesus said, go and set him free. Go and help him to walk in freedom. He's got life now. Now he just needs to learn to walk it out. Help him get unwrapped. Someone needs to hear this. You've been praying for God to raise someone up. And God will do his part. You've got to do your part. You've got to get involved in the process. 
Death no longer had a hold on Lazarus, but the grave clothes did. It was not complicated to remove them. But they did need to be removed. He just needed a little help. One of the last things that we learned from Lazarus is that not everyone will be happy with your new lease on life. In John 12, verses 9 through 11, it says, When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Lazarus' new lease on life really messed with some people. His resurrection was actually one of the reasons that the religious Jews wanted to crucify Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being so jealous that people believed in Jesus that they wanted to re-kill the person that Jesus had raised to life? Now we sit here and that's just absurd to us, but this still goes on in our day. As impossible and improbable that it would seem, some people are only happy when there's death around. But Jesus is just the opposite. John 10.10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have abundant life on this earth but also that we would have the abundant life of all of heaven. Just as Jesus had the power to raise Lazarus from death to life, he is here today to raise us up from death to life. I want to ask you this morning, do you have the promise of eternal life? Have you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins? Do you know today that you've been forgiven by God and that you're living right with the Father? I want to ask you as a Christian, are you walking free from the grave clothes? Has Jesus called you from death to life, but you're still wrapped up in some things from the world? You're still wrapped up and bound up by things that Jesus desires you to be free from. You see, in just a few minutes, we're going to receive the elements of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We're going to remember what he did for us on Friday, how he died on the cross. We're going to remember how on Saturday he walked into hell and took back the keys to death and hell. Those are mine. I want to remind you that he appeared to a lot of people on Saturday too. That means it wasn't a big deal for him to walk in hell and take it back. He just went back down there and said, those are mine. 
and then he started appearing to people. Can I tell you the power of God is far greater? It's not like there's any contest between hell and Jesus. That there are still believers even today. Jesus has set you free from your sin. He's brought you from death to life, but you're still wrapped up in stuff. God brought you here today. You didn't just come in. God brought you here because he wants you free. You see, the way that a Christian lives and the way that the world lives is very different. That's why the world gets mad at Christians. Not sure. We're so different because there's a life that we live that is clean and pure and holy and live for the glory of God. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? Here's what I'd like us to do, and just, I'd like the ushers to come, and I'd like you to hold the elements. I wanted you to stand as you hold that. How many of you believe he's worthy of our honor and praise? As they come, I'd like you to take the elements of communion, and let me hand these back here. The Bible says we're to do this in remembrance of him. Now the Bible also says that we're not to take in an unworthy manner, that we're to examine our hearts. Remember, those that are able to receive communion are those that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. He said, do this in remembrance of me. As you hold these elements in your hand, listen, some of you may say, well, then I can't do that because I don't know the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that before we receive. Christian, if you're still wrapped in some grave clothes, God wants you set free. And today, I want you to take that moment and say, Lord, I don't want to wear that anymore. I'm fully yours. I'll live for you. As a believer, as you hold these elements in your hand, I want you to just remember what Jesus did for you on Calvary. Begin to thank him. Begin to love him. And in just a moment, we'll come and we'll receive the elements together. Ten forty five.
Has everyone been served? Is there anyone who needs the elements this morning? If you've never accepted Christ into your life or if you're away from God this morning, this is a perfect day to come to Him. That's what this day is all about. He gave His life so that we could have life and have right relationship with Father God. If you'd bow your heads with me, I'd like us to pray together. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior or if you're backslid, if you're away from God, you know that the grave clothes are on give you an opportunity to repent of those sins. And today, come back to the Father again. Can we say this prayer together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Today, I dedicate my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. Today, I will live for you. Set me free from everything this world has for your glory. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you this morning for your great love. Your word says, no greater love does anyone have than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And Lord, this morning we want to just again say thank you. Thank you that you would go through what you did on Friday. Thank you that you would die in my place, in our place. I thank you, Lord, that we're able to stand here together as the family of God. I thank you, Lord, that we are living and walking out this life of faith, not alone, but together. I thank you, Lord, for every brother and sister in this room. I thank you for each one that are joining us this morning through the internet and I thank you, God, that we are not separated by distance, but we are one in you. This morning, we just together as a family. We gather around this table to honor all that you've done for us. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Let us receive the body of the Lord. In the same manner after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant 
that is in my blood. Take it and drink it. And as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. Let us receive the blood of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you've been so good to us. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we receive your life. We receive your faithfulness. We receive your healing. Everything that has been provided through your sacrifice on Calvary. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon each of us this this morning as we begin to leave this place and we go out into the world. I thank you that that's our mission field. I thank you that not only did you die for us, but every person that we'll come in contact with today. I pray for those that are going out to eat, that they will make the life of their servers memorable. May they bless them. May they encourage them. May they tip them well. May they know that they've come in contact with people who believe in Jesus. I pray your blessing on our families, our friends, and Lord, may you be glorified through our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Listen, the Lord bless you. Thank you for coming today. You are loved by God, and I pray that you'll just have a marvelous rest of the week. We'll see you if you are Wednesday, 7 o'clock.